Let's turn to the Word of God, please. Turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. I'll just lift a few verses, but please keep your Bible open. This is just more devotional. I we to stir our hearts, to challenge even a little bit, to love Christ, to love the Lord Jesus with all our heart. Verse 38, please. Now it came to pass as they went, he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Father, we ask you in Jesus' name that you would now settle our hearts in your presence, that your spirit would move from seat to seat, that you would challenge us and talk to us, that you would speak to us and direct us. Thy Spirit would come and move upon every single one of us. Father, will you take any distracting thought or opposing spirit and bind it under the name of the Lord Jesus? Everything that would be against your word and against the truth of your word, we pray now that, Lord, it would be bound in Jesus' name. Lord, help us all and encourage us, but we pray, Father, that you would speak to us, Lord, and if there's those who are here who are not right with you, unsaved, or whatever their condition may be, backslidden in heart or wayward, that you would draw them, that you would bring them to the cross again and anew, afresh, or maybe even for the first time, that they may see the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. They may see your Son, the Lord Jesus, bearing their sin in his own body on the tree that they may see their debt paid and that they may see that they need him. They need him for glory. They need him for heaven to enter the kingdom of God. So we pray in Jesus' name, Father, that you would all give all of us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive. And Lord, that we would not leave here the same way that we came in, but we would all leave here enriched by your word, We'd all leave here enriched in your presence. But we would all leave here knowing that we're saved. Knowing that we're right with God. Knowing that we're born of the Spirit and washed in the blood. Knowing that we belong to Christ. Even as that Shulamite could say, I am my beloved. And my beloved is mine. May we say it. May we all be able to say it as we leave this house today. Thank you for loving us when we were unlovable. Thank you for keeping us, Lord, when we stray and drawing us back into the way. Thank you for your grace and your mercy, for your kindness and your goodness, for your compassion. Father, we ask you now that you would now bring truth to our hearts 
and glorify your Son, the Lord Jesus. For his name we ask it and for his glory. Amen. As I said, sometimes as we have just dedicated two wee girls unto the Lord this morning, Madison and Maya, strange their names are the same, Mary and Martha, it wasn't meant to be like that, it's just the way it came. And usually I would try and bring a message that would you know, bring their, their name into the message, but both of them being dedicated this morning, I thought I'll just speak in two sisters, Mary and Martha. And these two sisters in our reading this morning in Luke chapter 10, they're completely different. Completely different. But you know, because someone is different than you, it doesn't mean they're worse than you. Because someone is different than you, it doesn't mean to say that you're better than them. These two sisters are different, but we can all learn from both of them. Hopefully this morning, as believers, that's what we will do. For example, uh, Martha is believed to be the elder or the older sister, and Mary is the younger. And it's believed that because we're told in verse 38 of Martha that she received the Lord Jesus into her house. She is the, her name actually means, there's two meanings, but the Chaldean name means uh, of Mary. It's the same from the Hebrew of Miriam. It means she is rebellious, but it also means uh, she is mistress. In other words, she is the mistress of the house. And here, she receives them into her house, the Lord Jesus. Now, we need to stop and think about that because we think, well, wouldn't that be wonderful and wouldn't that be great to receive Jesus, actually God in flesh, the man Christ Jesus into our house, into our home. I would do that. I would do that. If this was in 2016, I would do that. I would love to do that. And we would say that and but would we? Would we? You see, to be able to receive Jesus into her house at this time, remember, Jesus was an outcast. The authorities detested him so much, they planned to kill him. The religious authorities of the Pharisees and the scribes, the Jewish authorities, they wanted him dead. The Romans didn't know what to do with him. They were afraid of insurrection. So at the same time, all of them coming together, we find that Jesus is an outcast. He's a rebel, in other words, to them. He's a blasphemer, they call him, making himself equal with God, because he was God, or he is God. So he's a blasphemer to them, and et cetera, et cetera. There's so many things they said about him. So think about it for Martha to bring or allow Jesus to come into her home. Now think about this. Martha would mark her home out. Martha would mark her house out in Bethany, which is a short distance from Jerusalem. Martha would mark herself out, mark her family out for challenge. You see, there are people who hear the gospel, but you know what's wrong? They don't want to receive Christ into their life. They don't want to receive him into their home. They don't want to receive him into their marriage. They don't want to receive him into their family because he'll bring challenge to you. He'll bring challenge from your family and he'll bring challenge from your friends. He'll bring challenge where they'll say, you're not become one of these uh, born again Christians, you know. I'm, I'm coming from my background of a, a, a I was going to say a good Presbyterian background. I wasn't even a good Presbyterian. I was a non-Bretarian Presbyterian. And I, I never, my name was on the roll in the book, 
but my name was written in heaven, I just didn't know it yet. You have to make your calling and election sure by coming to Christ at the cross and knowing that you're saved and trusting Christ alone. Because when I got saved, my family thought I was a lunatic. Maybe some of them still do. My family thought I'd gone mad and my family thought, but you're a Presbyterian boy. What are you talking about this born again stuff? We're Presbyterian Protestants. We're not all going to heaven anyway because we're in the Presbyterian church. And the answer is no, friend. The answer is no. Because our Presbyterianism or whatever our denominationalism is, there's no salvation in it, but salvation is in a person in Christ alone. Only in Jesus. See, your, your family and your friends, when you say, I've given my heart and my life, my all to Christ, and all of my eternal welfare is invested in the man, Christ Jesus, alone. And in him only. Him only. When we say that, those who are of religious spirit, those who are of a ceremonial outward appearance, those who don't really, truly know him, speak much about him, but within, from the inside, don't know him, you find that they start to detest you. Some may even say, well, that's good, but don't be preaching to me. That's good, but you know, don't bring it to my home. Don't bring it into our marriage. Don't bring it to my family. Don't bring it in with us. Because you know why? You're marked out as something different. Now, here's something, brothers and sisters, we say as blood-wise, born-again, spirit-filled believers. Here's what we believe. Here's what we all should believe. That when Christ is in a life, you're different. When Christ is in a life, you are different. Do you see if you're not different, you're not saved. If your life isn't different, you're not saved. If your desires aren't different, you haven't grown or you're not saved. You need to go back to the cross. You need to get to the place of repentance. You need to be on your knees. You need to be saying, Lord, I don't know where I am with you. I don't know what I've done with you. I don't know if I've ever really, truly, fully, wholeheartedly accepted you as my Savior, but I'm here this morning to say today's the day. Because it's only in Jesus that you'll get to heaven. There's no other means, no other method. There's no other way. None. Our guidelines is not what we think. It's not what our pastor or the preacher or the minister or the priest or whoever else will tell you. It's what this says. This tells me that if we're not in Christ and at the cross, then we're lost for all eternity. It doesn't matter what we think. You see, so it's hard to take. It's hard to receive. But when Jesus comes in, there's challenge and there's change. He'll challenge you also. People will challenge you, but God will change you. God will change you. There'll be persecution and prosperity. There will be also a riot or revival. And there's life or death. You die to self and you live for Christ. Or you die an eternal death if you're not living for Christ. Jesus in a home and a family and a marriage changes lives. 
doesn't matter, brothers and sisters, what comes our way. If Christ has truly come into your life, you're different. You are changed. You're not perfect. You're growing. You should be growing. But you're different. For example, ask Zacchaeus who climbed up a tree and saw Jesus coming and was called down from the tree and was brought into his house. Jesus says, make haste and come down for this day. I must abide at your house. He went to eat dinner with Zacchaeus. And when Jesus walked into the house, he says, this day has salvation come to the house. You know why salvation has come to the house? Because Jesus was invited and accepted. And Zacchaeus changed. He, he gave fourfold to those whom he had cheated. He gave fourfold back again. He made restitution. In other words, his heart was different to the place and point that he didn't care what his reputation was. He was ready to make it better. You, you, you can ask someone like Jairus's daughter, her, her mom and dad, when the wee girl's laying dead on a bed, and he says, Talithakumai, and little maid, or little lamb, I say unto you, rise up, uh, wake up. And, and that made a change when Jesus came into the, the mom and dad's house. Jesus always makes a change. Listen, you can never encounter Christ and go away the same way you met him. It's impossible. It's impossible, brothers and sisters. Listen, you can never, never encounter Christ. You can never encounter him in the word, nor in worship. You can never encounter him in prayer and go away the same way you came. Or you're not ready to leave him yet. The man let down the, through the roof. Remember his friends let him down, broke the roof. Jesus was in the house. When Jesus was in that house, that man who came in with, a, 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 with his back on his bed left with his bed on his back. A big difference happened. Why? Because he had an encounter. In other words, he had a, 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 a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. He didn't say, I'm going to go to the Jewish temple. I'm going to go to the Jewish uh, high priest and I'm going to get him to to slay some animals for me. He came to Jesus. He came to Christ alone. And that changed him. Simon Peter's mother-in-law. Simon Peter, his mother-in-law. Simon Peter's mother-in-law is lying ill of a fever. Jesus comes into the house and he heals her. You know what the change was? As soon as she had met Christ and received her healing from him, she didn't get up and say, good, I can go away and do my own thing. Not in the slightest. She got up and ministered on to him. She ministered to Christ. Save to serve, brothers and sisters. Save to serve. We can, we can go through the Bible. There's many. The, the, the owner of the upper room John Mark's mother, more, most likely it was, um, when Jesus broke bread. And the same room, possibly, where the Holy Ghost was poured out in Acts chapter 2. When Jesus came into the house and broke bread, the new covenant was being ratified. Change came. When the Holy Ghost came into the upper room, uh, change came. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Change came because they met Christ. They met Jesus. 
So if there's no change, there's no Christ. Listen, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There has to be change as fruit. As fruit and their works will show that Christ is in their life. Martha received him into her house and she knew she would be up against the odds. You know what's wrong with the Christian church? We don't want to be up against the odds anymore. We want to be like the world. We want to be like everyone else out there because when we're like the church and what we're meant to be as the ecclesia, the called out of God in this nation, then people look at us as if, well, they're mad, they're, they're, they're eccentric, they're, they're off the wall, or they're fundamental, or whatever they want to call us, and all of these things. But listen, folks, the world are seeing the temporal issues of the day. We see the eternal kingdom to come. That's the difference. And I wonder how many Christians really, fully, truly believe that. Because see, if we did, we'd live different. We would live different. Martha received him into her home. And things changed. Like the hymn writer said, what a wonderful change has been wrought in my life since Jesus came into my heart. I have light in my soul which so long I had sought since Jesus came into my heart. In verse 39, she had a sister, we're told, in verse 39 of our reading, she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Notice, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now, the hyper-spiritual Christianity way to look at it is this. Well, you know, she sat at Jesus' feet, and that's called the school of Mary. That's where I have been taught by the Holy Spirit, you know. And that's okay, some of it. But listen, there are some people, and they think they're so heavenly-minded, they can get nothing done in God's work. They're afraid to put their hand to the plow. And so they look at Martha, and they go, well, you know, Martha, she was just a woman who had no notion of Jesus. Now, that's not true. That is not true. But we are going to look at this for a few moments where Mary, we're told, sat, also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. It's as though Martha is the busy one some to others, to the more carnally minded. Martha's the one who's doing all the work and Mary's sitting lazy. That's not true either. That's not true either. It, it looks as if she's just come and sat at Jesus' feet and let her elder or older sister uh, do all the work. That is not true. Let's read this again. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. In other words, Martha received him, but Mary remembered him. And the idea of this is, is that Mary had been working, serving, preparing. You know, it's not like now you go throw something in the microwave and you hit it if you're still doing your microwave dinners and you put it in the microwave and you put it on for three, five, ten minutes and ding, that's it, ready. There you are, Jesus, there's another lovely dinner for you. It wasn't like that. They had to prepare they had to prepare breads. They had to prepare and they had to bake and, and it took hours to prepare. So Mary had been preparing and others were at Jesus' feet, but something happened. 
Something happened that you and I really need to catch hold of and really need to get an idea of here because it could help our Christian walks. In fact, it will help us if we apply it to us. Martha received him. Mary remembered him. We're told, but Mary came aside at me. She sat, also sat at Jesus' feet. She's been laboring, laboring. And Jesus must have been in. Maybe Lazarus was there, her brother. Maybe some of the disciples were ever not told. But Jesus is sitting. He's not just sitting there on his own waiting. He's speaking. He's talking. He's in the house. And as he's speaking and talking, these women are busy ministering away and they're preparing everything. But Mary hears the words of grace. Mary hears the voice of God. Mary hears the voice of the Spirit. She hears his word. Something starts to attract her. Hold on a second. And she's working away. Suddenly she finds herself with a choice to be made. Mary had to make her choice. Do you want Christ? Do you want to know more of him? Or not? You know, in Matthew chapter 13 and we're told of the parable of the man who sows the seed in the field. And there are four parcels of ground. There's seed that falls by the wayside. That's the, the, and then there's the, the, the stony ground here. There's a thorn among thorns. And then there's a seed that falls into good ground. Four parcels. And it's the seed that falls into good ground that springs up and brings forth fruit. Well, in Matthew 13 and 22, the Lord Jesus says, and he it says, he that also receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceit of the riches of riches choke the word and becomes unfruitful. In other words, the seed that fell among the thorns is though it, there's nothing comes of it because the thorns, it, if it tries to grow, the thorns gather around it. He says, it's like the curse of life. It's like the riches of the world. It's like the pleasures that we have. It chokes the word of God in us until there's no word left and it dies in us. And becomes unfruitful. That's why so many unfruitful Christians. Because they're not in a place where the seed is falling into good ground. They're not in a place in their heart. They become a hardened heart. They become embittered. They become the place where there's fallow ground that needs broken up. And they're not doing it. They're not coming before God in, in, in heartfelt sorrow and repentance saying, Lord, will you change me? Will you help me? That word just bounces off their heart. Mary and Martha are making something and she hears the seed of the word of God being preached from and taught from Jesus' mouth. And Mary then realizes, hold on. She comes and sits at his feet in good ground. The seed falls into the good ground at his feet. Alice and I and the girls were, took a run down to Belfast yesterday afternoon. And as you know, I don't go into the shops. So I'm standing outside. I must have been shopping for two hours and I'm standing outside these shops. And we moved down to another shop and I stood outside. And then we moved down to a further shop and I stood outside. And they were in for quite some time. And I seen a fellow that I know does openers all the time. He, he's, he's just an evangelist. He's an evangelist heart. And Daniel, you would know him. And Hugh, Hugh McElveen. And he was there with a group of other people. I didn't know the other ones. And as I was watching them over a bit, Hugh was giving out tracks. And there was quite a crowd in Belfast yesterday. And they're coming down. You see him with the tracks, gospel tracks out. And there was a couple of different people. There was a couple of girls, African girls with them, and a couple of different other people. And so they're bringing a word, and there's this man, he seemed to have a, a 
Balamina, hey, accent, you know. And he was talking like this here and all the time, giving a bit of the gospel, you know, this here. And I, I was sitting down watching them. And I was actually thinking, why they're in there? I could go over and help them. And I just felt, no, don't watch. And as he's given these tracks out, there was a bin roughly where that speaker is. And people were coming up, and he was giving them. Some of them were walking and starting to open it like this. And they'd fold it and put it in their pocket. And others were walking along, and they were just doing that. They were throwing it into the bin. And every one that I watched coming up, I was saying, Lord, look at that. And I felt the Lord saying, I pray for every one that puts it in their pocket. So I stood outside Mark, I think it was. And I'm sure if anybody had seen me, they'd have thought I was nuts myself. Lord, see that man there. Would you bless him? Would you make that word fall into his heart? Now that he's read that, Lord, I'm praying for that man that he'll not forget that word that he's read. There's another woman there, Lord. Would you take this one? She had no idea, and I was just starting to cover it with prayer. And I was there for 20 minutes, maybe more. I don't know how long they were in there. And every one that done it, I thought the Lord said, No, you stand and pray for every one that keeps that word. I watched everybody. And I says, Lord, there's another one. Lord, would you? And I'm sure at one point I was getting carried away and my lips moving. I was trying to do it in the head. But then my eyes were closed when I was doing this. Maybe they thought I was in pain or something. I don't know. <laughs> Stayed there the whole time. And people were just walking past me. Oh, there's another one, Lord. And I'm just praying, there's that one there. And they'd see me pointing. They must have thought I was away in the head. I don't care. Because that's a soul. That's a soul on the broad road to destruction. The Bible tells us that, that if you're not saved, it doesn't matter whether you're, 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 what side of divide you come from. It doesn't matter whether you're a Protestant or you're a Catholic or you're a, a Hindu or you're a Muslim or you're a Jew or whoever you are. If you're not saved and being to the cross of Christ, and, and it's not about religion, it's not about denomination, it's not about what we can do or who else we can go to. It's not about praying to others or for others. It's about relationship, knowing Christ and being repentant at the foot of the cross and saying, Jesus, I fully, completely, wholeheartedly in you only trust, Lord, and there is none else for my salvation. That's what it's about, brothers and sisters. We're so superstitious. There's so much superstition. I never even told Alison I'd done that yesterday. She felt the Lord saying, I pray for that one. I pray. I pray. I says, Lord, as long as you don't make me like as you're the line naked in the street on one side, I don't get any. I'll stand here and I will pray, Lord. Please don't ask me to do that. <laughs> By the way, the Lord did do that, you know that. I told him to do that. You see, the cares of the, this life, Martha had them. Mary had them, but she heard the word. She heard the word and she turned aside to hear Christ. So what we need in our lives as Christians is not so much distraction, but devotion. You need devotion, not distraction. There's too many things distract us from the place of worship. Too many things distract us from the place of reading God's word, from the place of prayer. We need Less distraction, more devotion. Look at verse 30. But Martha 
was cumbered about much serving. Verse 41, and Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. You see, Martha says, you're careful, you're troubled. In other words, Martha, you are allowing temporal issues. Listen, so what about the pots and pans? So what they're not washed yet? Martha, so what you haven't cleaned up out the back yet? So what, Martha? There's a decision to be made here. This is eternal. So what about your pub on a Friday night? So what about your nightclub? So what about your sin? So what about your lust? So what about the things you like? So what about the things you feel are good for you that you can't do without? This is eternal. This is eternal. And your soul will either be with Christ in his kingdom or in a devil's hell. Or in a devil's hell. Mary had a choice to make. The word cumbered means to draw away, to distract, to be driven mentally. You know, you'll be drawing away in your mind. You'll be so busy in your mind, you forget God. So busy in your mind, you forget to pray. So busy in your mind, you forget to sit at his feet. Mary, or sorry, pardon me, Martha was cumbered. She was drawn away by the busyness and her mind was completely focused on something else. That's what's wrong with much of the church today. Our minds are so focused on other things. We're mentally distracted. And she's careful. It means it doesn't mean she's careful. She doesn't break anything. It means she's anxious. She became really anxious. And, she, and, she, and troubled means she, she is disturbed, disquieted in her heart and in her mind. Mary was being choked and frustrated at the busyness around her. And then she came and blamed her sister. She's left me. Brothers and sisters, listen, you can blame all the people you want. It's up to you. You can blame everybody, but it's you. It's me. The first thing since the fall in the Garden of Eden was blame. The Lord came down after they had sinned in the garden and taken of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And listen, what has thou done, the Lord said. He knew what he had done. And the Lord knew what he had done. But Adam says, the woman that you gave me, so it's her fault and it's yours. The Lord says, no, it's not Adam, it's yours. It's yours. And then the woman says, the devil done it. It's good to blame the devil, isn't it? He probably sits outside most churches on the Sunday and goes, oh, they're blaming me on something they didn't do again. When it's ourselves. She says, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Notice, notice she has left me to serve alone. So she's been working with her and then she leaves her. So Mary wasn't lazy. She has left me. See, serving is good, it's great, and it's necessary, but serving should never supersede sitting in God's presence. 
Work should never substitute worship. Distraction must never rob Christ of the devotion of your heart. Worry should not overcome the word. And choice gives you the chance to change. Mary had a choice. Now Martha has the choice. Now Martha has the choice. Mary had a choice. Now Martha has a choice. So brothers and sisters, whenever you and I are talking about choice, let's just stop for a moment. It's, it's okay to be it's okay to be the evangelical, fundamental Christian talking about, see the world and the things out there in the world. And all. But what happens when the world encroaches in your life? You have a choice to make. I'll give you some examples. I'll give you a few. What about whenever there's something placed on the throne of Christ in your heart? What about when it comes to your life and to your home and into your family? What about whenever it comes to you personally and the Lord says, okay, I'm going to stand on toes, all right? Now, let me just, but this is, I'm doing it because I love you. We know what day it is. Northern Ireland's going to be playing today. Here's the thing. Hey, listen. How you take it, it'll be up to you. This is the Lord's day, brothers and sisters. Football should not be in the Lord's day. Now you have a choice. Come on, footballer, you have a choice. This is his day. Do you know what's wrong? There's churches, and I'm saying this, there's churches who are now tonight. Now you listen, tonight. There are churches who are putting on the football match instead of in their church service instead of the gospel. Instead of the word. And that's the word in the church. Ah. Don't pastor because they don't like that. The word. It's the word. Well, you have a choice. Look at me, you have a choice. and you'll make your excuses, but you have a choice. It's a Christ of the word. That's only one example. There's many we could use. Come on, brothers and sisters, look at me. You have a choice. You have all the choice. You have a choice. Choose ye this day whom you will serve. The Lord says one thing is needful. Mary hath chosen that good part. <laughs> One thing is needful, Martha. Mary hath chosen the good part. Now, Martha, I'm here, and everything else is there. What do you want? You want revival? Send revival, Lord, but hold on there going. Watch the football. Brothers and sisters, I'm sorry if I have trumped in corns this morning. But that's the word of God, and I'm telling you that for your benefit. Martha's home was marked out, Mary was marked out, and Lazarus became marked out because they all, three of them, chose Christ. 
Lazarus ended up with a great miracle raised from the dead. And Mary and Martha came to know him. You can't walk, and someone prayed it upstairs in our prayer meeting this morning. You can't walk with one foot in the church and one foot in the world. It's your choice. It's your choice. Please don't come to the door and give me all these excuses. It's between you and God. One thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. You know the things that we strive for and the things we put in place of Christ and the things that we put in his throne or the rule over our lives instead of him. You know the things that we love more than him, the things that we put first instead of him. Do all of those things. Do all of those things. Well, they'll be taken away from you. Every time you're obedient to the word of God and you're sitting at the feet of Christ, it will never be taken away. Never. Never be taken away. It seems that Martha wanted to do something special for Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that. That's good. But Mary needed to receive something supernatural from him. Here's what I'm going to say as well. You can't expect to bear fruit and do supernatural for Jesus if you're not willing to sit at his feet and listen for it. So don't expect to do something special for him either. We can also be so busy with the work of the Lord that we forget the Lord of the work. Martha was cumbered about, drawn away and distracted and over-occupied with many things. Martha was serving Jesus, and it was divine service. She was serving Jesus. It was divine. But listen, Puritan Abraham Wright said, sweet spices of divine works must be beaten to powder by meditation and led up in the cabinet of our memories. In other words, divine service, we must be sitting, meditating on the Word, meditating on Christ, meditating in prayer, and then led up as sweet spices in our cabinet of our heart to give on to God in service. Your works are as filthy rags before the Lord without it. Puritan Thomas Watson writes, I will conclude with that excellent saying from Bernard, Lord, I will never come away from thee without thee. Let this be a Christian's resolution, not to leave of his meditations of God Till he finds something of God in him. <coughs> Excuse me. In other words, you and I should not be willing to leave God's presence until we know God is in us. We should not be willing to leave the place of prayer until we know God is in us. Until we know, oh, I know the Holy Spirit's always in me. I'm talking about the anointing of God, the reality of God, the conviction of Christ and the Holy Ghost and the Word of God. Carrying it with us when we go into our workplace, carrying it in service. We should not leave God until we find something of God in us. So I'm closing. We are not told what happened next. Did Mary get up and back to work? Martha get down to devotion? Did Mary get up and get back to work or did Martha get down to devotion? Well, listen, Martha had a choice to make. 
Uh, Martha uh, is only mentioned the once in the scripture. There are different Marys in scripture. There's Mary, who is the Mary, Mary the mother of our Lord, the virgin girl. Uh, there's that Mary, and uh, a precious young woman. There is Mary Magdalene, of whom was cast out seven devils. There's Mary, the mother of James the Less, one of the disciples. There's Mary, the mother of John Mark, as we mentioned earlier. And there's a Mary written on the church of God at Rome in the epistle to the Romans. So there's other Marys. But this Mary has been immortalized, as it were. Not in, I'm not talking about in heaven as in, as in the scripture. Because of her sitting at the feet of Christ, she would never be taken away from her. Prayer time's never wasted time. Worship time's never wasted time. Mary and Martha are also spoken about in John chapter 11 when Lazarus, their brother, dies. And, you know, Jesus stays away a couple of days then comes. Listen to what it says in verse 2. It shows that Mary anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, in Luke chapter 7, there's another woman that does that too. This isn't the same Mary. This isn't the same Mary. In John chapter 11 and verse 5, listen to what it says. Now, Jesus loved Martha. You thought it would have said Jesus loved Mary. But it says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Verse 20, John 11 and 20. And Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. Listen, but Mary sat still in the house. So something has happened that maybe we don't know, but Mary is already at his feet. Did Martha then have a choice to make? And she says, then I'm sitting here. All that other stuff, all that temporal stuff, all that worldly stuff, the washing of the dishes can wait. The cleaning up can wait. The stuff that, that doesn't last forever that will be taken away can wait. I need to be at the feet of Jesus. And now we're reading, she's the one running to Christ and Mary's the one sitting at home. Jesus loved Martha. Martha's energetic character drove her to Jesus, but Mary's placid nature could have caused her to sit still. During the range of, of emotions, there's sadness, there's mourning, there's tears, there's deep sense of loss, there's hurt, there's even disappointment and disillusionment. And I wonder, was Mary in the place of disappointment and disillusionment because Jesus had let Lazarus die and now he's gone? Brothers and sisters, again, we can't allow our disappointments and our disillusionments to stop us going on with Christ. I know the struggles of it, but you can't allow it to stop me. In verse 32, Mary go, or Martha runs to tell Mary and to get her out of the house. She jays her up now. It says, then when Mary was come to where Jesus was, she saw him and fell down at his feet. Lord, if you'd have been here, they both said, our brother not died. In other words, they knew they had received of him. Lord, you, you could have saved him from dying. He said, yeah. But I'm going to do something even greater. I'm going to show you the glory of God and the resurrection from the dead. And that's what he done. He raised Lazarus from the dead. 
You see, we're looking for big things, but we can't get big things until we're faithful in the small things. If you're not faithful in the small things, and if Christ isn't first, then don't expect revival and supernatural blessing. Let's dethrone the things of our lives in the world. The greatest idol I have known, whatever that idol be, help me to tear it from thy throat and worship only thee. God bless you, everyone. God bless his word to all of us.